A Pitch for Change is a podcast about what it takes to create a successful business that also has a positive social impact. I'm Amanda Capito. Remember how at the end of the last episode, Judith was talking about how Loombrick lost two members, but there was potentially a new person who might be joining? After several emails back and forth, Judith, Sarah, and Gallia are Skyping with Hello? their possible new colleague, an engineer from Cameroon named Gael. Bonjour, tu, tu peux m'entendre? For the record, one okay, of Cameroon's official okay. languages okay. is French. In case you missed the explanation last episode, the team found Gael just by searching online for social entrepreneurs in Cameroon. Ah bon, est-ce que est-ce que tu peux genre est-ce que tu as un microphone qui peut être un peu plus loin ou quelque chose? Un micro? Oui. Gaël? Allô? Allô? So the first group call not going as planned. It's us, it's us, Judith. It's on him, it's us. <laughs> so shit. You're skyping with someone in Cameroon and it's your uh, shit connection yeah. that has the problem. Oh, They're wrong. If you didn't catch that, the internet cut out on their end and they were all cringing a bit about the first impression they must have made. Failure should be celebrated to some extent because it's actually what sometimes leads into, 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 into success. We'll get back to the call with Gael in a bit. Right now, let's hear more from that voice you just heard, Abdullah Snowbar. I'm the executive director for the DMZ at Ryerson University. Describe the space that you're sure. looking in. So, you know, the DMZ is a is a tech incubator supporting startups all across the country and across the world. Our job essentially is to help either a accelerate growth or accelerate failure. There it is again, failure. There's always going to be struggle. So, you know, don't think what you see on movies and Hollywood and TV is exactly what the startup world's like. It's not. People sometimes get mesmerized by the title. Oh, I want to be a founder. All right, let me go build this idea out. We're gonna, I'm going to become a founder or a CEO, and it's going to be an awesome journey along the way, and I'm going to make tons of money and everything else. It's the exact opposite. You know, every Friday at 4 p.m., we have something called Good Scotch Friday. So we bring the entire community of entrepreneurs in our space together. We meet up in our common space, and we toast to success stories and to failed stories. So it's not just the, bad, the good, it's also the bad. And what happens when you talk about the bad sometimes, other people who are in that room understand, okay, well, we've been through that, let me go talk to this person afterwards. And kind of just help them through it. Communities like this, obviously being able to have the right mentors, for, you know, one-on-one mentors, you know, being able to speak to people and letting it all out and not holding things in too much and too long, uh, and that becomes a huge challenge. Um, being able to persevere, and I think perseverance in, in, in itself is a word that entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs always need to have especially in the most difficult of times, because it's not a, a happy-go-lucky space. It could be a very depressing space sometimes as well. So, but need to, you always need to understand why you started. But what was thinking about the bigger picture? So here's the common space that we are, where we are. Uh, this is essentially where people congregate and come together. So now they're just putting away breakfast, if you can, as, you, as you can see. But uh, this is where we do a lot of meetups. We do a lot of celebrations. We do a lot of demo days. We have a lot of our events here. Good Scotch Friday. This is also uh, where they cheers to failure. Right over here, along this way. Uh, this is, th- these are more open, open concept meeting spaces. So they're garage doors that open up and they close down. We have our big DMZ sign, so people just remember where they are. Uh, and every time somebody tweets at us, it starts to flash and go crazy. So, so it's cool. Awesome. So again, the space is extremely, 
As Abdullah was showing me around, he pointed out that the DMZ has about 70 companies in the space, but enterprises have to apply to get in because they don't just want anyone working in there. First things we look for, number one, is a, it's a problem we're solving. What's the social and economic impact behind what they're actually doing? Number two, is it an innovative use of technology? We're a tech incubator, so that's really our biggest focus area. And number three, is there a prototype in place and ready to go to market or already in market uh, and what they're doing? Uh, can they scale and grow their businesses globally? Because we believe in building locally for the international marketplace. And the most importantly is, is the, the, the team itself. Are they coachable? Are they collaborative? Are they going to be able to bring value to the rest of the community within the space itself? And more times than not, we've said yes to incredible, incredible teams with horrible businesses. And more times than not, we've said no to fantastic businesses with horrible teams. And, you know, it kind of speaks for itself. It's a culture. You know, you build a culture, and the last thing you want to do is jeopardize a culture by having, you know, a bit of poison in it that, that, would, that would kind of infect everybody else. Poison. Oof, strong word. And puts a lot of pressure on social enterprises to make sure they have the right people in place on their team. So, back to Lumbrick. Judith, Sarah, and Gallia are hoping Gael can help design the solar-powered machine that would turn agricultural waste into pellets for cooking fuel. Right now, Gael is asking about the carbonization step in the production process and whether it will cause a lot of pollution. As soon as the call wraps up, the team starts picking apart everything he said and starts researching some questions that he brought up. So basically what he's saying is that, and he's saying it's been done before, so that's why I'm like kind of blaming him. He wants to concentrate all these, like, uh, he's put, you put like a mirror and you concentrate all the sun rays yeah. at a specific point. Yeah. And that point is As like they're working away, burn. Judith fills me in on the final action item that they asked from him. We, he, we've, we just got off the phone with him and um, we decided that within a month, uh, a month maximum, he's going to draft up the plans for the solar pelletization machine. And while they don't have the resources necessarily in Cameroon to create it, we can then take it over here um, and see if we can create it before the pitch. But how do you trust someone as a business partner that you've never met? Sure, there are tons of global companies that have offices, suppliers, and call centers overseas. But when you're a small team and one of your key members is someone you've never met... It can be a big risk. Trust plays a huge role in making sure operations run smoothly. Believe me, I know from firsthand experience. I work for World Vision International, and my immediate team consists of five people. And I haven't met all of them, including my manager. She's in New Zealand. So I gave her a call to see what she thought about all of this. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Me and you have been in touch for a year now, working together in some capacity or another, and we've never actually met face to face. So, how does that change a working relationship? Do you how do you how can you even trust me? Like, how do you build that relationship? <laughs> do no, you trust funny, me? 
<laughs> of course I do. Um, and it's really funny, like you um, point the fact out we haven't actually met, but I, I actually feel that we do, and I feel like we have, um, you know, a really strong relationship already, despite the fact we haven't ever met face to face. I guess it comes down to, you know, Skype is a really brilliant tool, um, and. Yes, you can use it to have formal meetings and things like that. But um, I think, you know, with us with um, and our team, we just sort of, you know, flick ideas back and forth and there's a level of banter there as well. So it's sort of um, building rapport that way. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty hectic job as well. You know, we have to lean on each other and I think trust comes pretty quickly. Um, but, um, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I guess that's, that that would be sort of um, my gauge on it. I think just keeping, um, you know, making sure that you you continue to talk um, and yeah, keep it. Yeah, obviously, you've got those um, those formal meetings and things like that. But using it as a tool to, um, you know, just check in with each other, see how you're going, and um, you know, seek out advice and things like that, or even just you know, make a joke. Yeah, nicely put. I agree with all that, and I do feel like I know you too, even though we've never met face to face. But that will be changing very soon, right? I'm excited. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this other day and I was thinking, because I haven't met you before, would it be appropriate for me to give you a hug or would that just be a bit odd? Uh, <laughs> you could know, you know, definitely give me a hug. No. <laughs> maybe that's strange. <laughs> this is part of virtual teams, pre-planning how you will greet each other when you first meet. <laughs> So clearly, we again a good example of trust, right? Because I can be honest with you and say this has been something that's been on my mind. Um, I feel like I won't be judged. Not at all. Not at all. Hall jokes aside, the piece about using something like Skype for both formal meetings and as a way to just chat is key. I never really thought about it, but our group relies on the Skype chat function. We chat every day, and it allows us to develop a bond similar to ones we'd have with people in an office. We talk about work, but we also take time to talk about current events, our families, or the weather in our respective countries. Now, World Vision has to deal with this sort of stuff all the time, but it's got to be tough in the beginning for startups. Nonetheless, Judith is feeling really good about working with Gael. I think I'm a naturally maybe trusting person, as in when he promises, okay, I'm going to get this done or this and that, I just take it for face value. It's kind of like innocent until proven guilty, right? And so far, you know, every all his attitudes, what he's saying, um, what he's promising really seems in line with what we're doing. And he seems very intelligent, by the way, like with what, yeah, his technology makes sense. So he's like a, it's a, like a logical guy. Like, you know, when, when people contact, like when you have a spam email, you can usually distinguish between a spam email and a legitimate email just because something will be off, like the spam, the spelling is off, I don't know, or something, and you're going to be like, no, this is not right, or the subject content, they just don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a spam email. I just... You can hear Galia in the background agreeing with Judith, but notice the shift in tone when I ask Sarah about it. Trusting this member that you've talked to a couple times and hoping for the best, like, how what what's that process like and how are you feeling about it well that's actually a really really big question and we had to grapple with that this morning just because we've never um yeah never had to do that uh in another country with someone we never met yet so i think um we decided to uh yeah keep certain things that we've built as a team for ourselves and then just only give a certain amount of information um and then see how uh, the connection goes, and then see once I'll be able to travel there and connect with the person. 
just speaking about you now, your job, you were going to quit. Did you end up quitting one of your jobs? Yes. Oh, which one? Uh, the, the cooking place or the restaurant place. Um, I have my last day on Sunday. So hopefully I'll be collecting my paycheck then. Um, but yeah, it's still like working six days a week or like, well, five plus the accelerator on Fridays. So I have a day off now, which is neat. Oh. Like, well, amazing, <laughs> but um, I, I think like as different fees come up, um, so looking at malaria pills and transportation and different things, I just know that it's so, so crucial for me to get that money in, so doesn't matter. <laughs> Given all these changes, I turn to Gallia and ask, do you feel like you have a good chance at getting some prize money from this World Vision Challenge? Honestly, I think we do. And the reason why I think we do is, I mean, yes, our idea in itself is innovative, which is, which is a big plus, but I think it's because of why we're doing it and who we're targeting. I think that's uh, the bigger purpose. Like, our research is not just tailored for North America. It, it has, I, I, I feel like it just fits this, the, you know, the world vision, uh, reason of being, right? And for us, honestly, we're, we're all in for it. So with or without the prize, we want to see this happen. And we hope that it's with the prize. <laughs> And in order for all this to happen, Loombrick needs to figure out their business model. But that's for next episode. A Pitch for Change is a production of World Vision Canada. I'm Amanda Capito, a communications advisor with World Vision International. I'm the producer and editor of the podcast alongside Amanda D'Souza. Sound mixing is by Drew Garner. Josh Folkema and Robert Garcia are advisors to the show. Interested in learning more about the World Vision Social Innovation Challenge? Visit worldvision.ca slash podcast. Mm -hmm.